everybody. I'm Peter, and I'm sad. He's probably sad, too. It's Mike. Welcome to Rebels, Rebels, the podcast that explores Star Wars and universe. And I'm so glad I was at the This is series, Rebels. Yeah. Our guest today, one of the stars of the hit D&D podcast, yes, Rebel Rebels. Mm-hmm. Something's making me smile right now. She's probably sad, too. <laughs> <laughs> It's Crystal Beth. I'm here. And I'm sad. Yeah. Why did you do this to me? <laughs> I gave yeah. you the warning before this episode. I was like, hey, we want you on this episode because it's a really good episode, but I don't want to make you cry. Uh, <laughs> so you agreed to this. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. And I, to get ready for this, I watched the entire series again because, <laughs> really? yeah. oh yeah, Jeez, because of how... Sick. It's like the growth of everyone makes it yeah. just so much worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe I'll just watch season four over again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, no, I want to watch the whole thing. And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, how is this so good? <laughs> after know. every season, do you guys still like it after all of your talking about it? Yeah. 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 I, think, I think the space between the seasons in which we record makes me still like it. I think had we done mm-hmm. for, you know, just a back-to-back thing, I would be less enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. So putting space between, yeah, I still really like this show. Space between. And I'm ready to jump into this. I'm ready to jump into the hottest club in the galaxy, Jedi Knights. Are you ready, Mike? I am. I, I, that, yeah. Uh, Chris, are you ready? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot we're too sad to make jokes. No, no, I was just, I was, that was trying. I, I had a bunch of jokes to, and they all were inappropriate, so I just, I pulled back. Perfect, thanks. Um, do you have a summary, Mike? Oh my god, get off my back. <laughs> Let's mix up a quick space refresher and recap what happened in episode 8 of season 4, Jedi Knight. While Hera is being tortured by Governor Price, <laughs> Ezra, Kanan, and Sabine prepare to extract her from Imperial captivity. While Admiral Thrawn is absent on Coruscant, they infiltrate the Lothalian Imperial Command Center using gliders they built to look like loath bats. And as Ezra and Sabine secure a gunship for escape, Kanan recovers Hera's Calicori, an important family heirloom that was taken by Thrawn earlier in the series, and frees Hera before she, under the effect of truth serum, can reveal the location of the rebel base. As they attempt to escape on the gliders, Kanan instructs Hera to land them on the fuel depots in the center of Lothal City. Just as Ezra and Sabine pick them up, Price orders her troops to open fire on the fuel tanks, causing an explosion cut on top of the tanks. Kanan uses the force to control the explosion and push Hera and his friends away from the blast, but at the cost of his own life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pour one out. Next time. <laughs> Should I put the sad music underneath Mike's jaunty, jaunty intro? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> yep. Cool. Yeah, and we usually uh, we usually have a theme here, and I I just didn't even want to write one today. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I want to leave this open. This one's too. Let's just get into this one. Yeah, there's too many themes with this one. 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've let's all let's all name a theme without thinking about it much. Peter, what's the theme for this episode? Sacrifice. Crystal, what's the theme? That was my word. God damn it! Uh, you got to say it too. Sacrifice. Okay, now my theme was going to be sacrifice. See, we all <laughs> so many. Literally, literally, that's what it was going to be, and I thought that's everyone's going to think it's sacrifice. Yeah. Well, I could see like growth, like uh, family. If family. I had to like, yeah, think about it, but I mean, I think that the main overarching theme is sacrifice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah we've alluded to it, but it was hard for me to watch this one. <laughs> Um, it it makes me very emotional and it's, it's, it's very interesting watching it again. Um, Mm -hmm. because I watched it with my wife as we've been doing recently and she didn't know what happened at the end. Uh, And honestly, like at the very end, Hera and Kanan kiss and they do such a good job of this. I knew it was coming and I'm still surprised that it happens, but Hera and Kanan kiss and she goes, what a nice episode. I was like, Oh my God. Poor woman. <laughs> I know, right? She's, but like, I mean, she found it definitely really sad. But then she just turns to me, and there's just like tears coming right down my oh, eyes. Someone's oh, like, "Oh my gosh!" Her. I know. But just every single step from the very beginning, it's just like he's, he's meditating, and then he's yeah. asking Ezra to take on the mission. It's just like everything mm-hmm. has so much more meaning when you know what's coming. And it, mm-hmm. dang, it got me. And he, you can. The animation is just great too. Mm-hmm. You can feel how heavy he feels too. Yeah, yeah wow. and, but it kind of it's interesting because it's heavy at the beginning of the episode, and then it's kind of he gets really light, mm-hmm. like just yeah. kind of above the. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, emotions that he was feeling before. So yeah, that's a good point. Resolve. I didn't really think about that. That's mm. really good. Yeah, some interesting stuff about. Um, starting at the meditation when he's kind of preparing himself. I hadn't ever noticed this, but I found a thread where someone watched that scene a ton of times and tried to parse all the quotes that he's hearing. Cause it's like, well, very, oh, yeah. like Ray, like hearing a bunch of stuff. And yeah. there's some really interesting stuff here because Ooh. I remember there was a little bit of a debate. Like did Kanan have to die? Did Kanan know he was going to die? Like what, what, like, all that was good, kind of back and forth. And I think this pretty, this solidifies that Kanan knew what was coming and he made yeah. the choice, which is what I always believed. But I think this, Same. this really solidifies it. So some of the interesting things is one of the quotes is Ezra saying the Jedi temples in danger, which happens one episode after this episode. So he oh. Ezra says that in the next episode. Really? And then he says, then he hears Hera say, Caitlin, you haven't gotten me a present since we first met, which happens later in this episode. Oh, wow. Wow. He says, he hears Ezra say, you didn't prepare me for this, Caitlin, which happens, I don't, I think, episode 11. Oh, wow. And yeah. Then, cool. Yeah, and then Caitlin's voice says, there's something I need to tell you, which is him talking to Hera later in Jedi Knight. Right. So he's seeing visions of the future. And the other last one that I thought was interesting is he hears Ezra say to Sabine, I know I can always count on you, Ezra. Or, mm. no, Ezra is saying to Sabine, I know I can always count on you. So I think this pretty clearly knows that he is, this shows that he is seeing the future and making the active choice of like, all right, I got to do this. This sucks, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. Mm. Wow, that's really, it's such a thoughtful episode and that mm-hmm. just really underlines how thoughtful the writers were about this. And- mm-hmm. This is it's like it's like this episode that makes 
to me, like, this is the triumph of Rebels. This is why it's so good. Mm-hmm. And an episode Absolutely. like this really encapsulates that. Yeah. And I like these yes. quotes specifically, too, because I wanted to call out, like, the one that he, Ezra says to Sabine, I know I can always count on you, is pretty poignant for me because I, I like to imagine what is going through Kanan's head in this moment, like the visions he's seeing. He's being torn, you know. He's hearing Ezra say, you didn't prepare, prepare me for this, Kanan. So I'm sure his first gut reaction is like, I can't, I can't die. I need to keep preparing Ezra for stuff. Like he needs yeah. me. But then at the very end, he hears that, you know, the family will be there for Ezra, that yeah. Ezra can count on Sabine. He knows that Ezra's in good hands. So it helps him kind of let go. That's at least how I interpret it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> why it's so good yeah. i know it's and just really anytime like good. saying the force will be with you like f, f- you stop it <laughs> I know, dare right? you use those words against me uh yeah um on a on the light side of this episode i love drunk Hera. oh yeah. that was really good that bit Works I wonder how so he's gonna get in. I, I freaking love it so much. It I can't really stop going back to things that make me cry, but like that that made me so happy because I just think that bit works and it just showed to me like how close they are. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, I always knew you would come, and she's on her truth service, like Sarah. I'm like, she didn't doubt that Kanan was ever gonna come, and like there's yeah, oh, you guys are in trouble now. It just felt very yeah. much like like yeah. the bro- bigger brother that you know loves you and will do anything for you. Like bullies are coming and it's like, oh, the bullies are in trouble. My brother's going to take care yeah. of me. Like that was just another sweet, sweet moment for me. <laughs> or when she hmm. says, huh, I thought he was going to come through the window. <laughs> yeah. I know. I loved that so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah the- that's It's funny. I, I don't have many notes yeah. on this, but two of them are. Um, first one is. Torture iPad and second one is Drunk Hera. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Torture iPad is good. Yeah, I gotta see what I what I have on it. So speaking of the torture iPad, um Ooh, this one. device actually has a name. So if you read the Arabesh yeah, on I just the said app. It. Yeah. Well the <laughs> it's funny to me that she has an app, like she has an iPad app. It's like, yeah, torture app, but it, it controls the machine. So the, the machine, if you translate the Arabesh, is an Information extraction apparatus. Okay. <laughs> torture. Mean, yeah, torture yeah, chair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't market it as a torture chair. You gotta, you gotta, you know, softball that a little. <laughs> yeah. Info Who's extractor. it made by? <laughs> I feel like it wouldn't be Carillion. That's fun. It's it's funny that she acts drunk and they call it the information extractor, because that's literally just what a bottle of whiskey is. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh it's made True. by Amazon Basics. It's the Amazon oh, it's Basics so Information Extraction Apparatus. Amazon SpaceX. <laughs> SpaceX, what? Oh, you're confused, Mike. Um, I wanted to bring this up again because, again, it just tickles my fancy. So when we last talked about these What is your fancy, droids, by the way? It's talking about torture droids and all the stuff that they have on them. Um, so that's the fancy. It's specifically tickling yep, here, is that? Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is an ITO torture droid which is slightly different than the one from a new hope um i found a fun little fact about that new hope torture droid is it was made in england no. and so it says british made on it and oh, okay. you can't 
they say you can't see it because it's so small, but now with high def TV, some people claim they can see that it says British made on it, which I That's thought was really fun. funny. Yeah. So um, technically Britain and England exist in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's canonical. That's the one thing George Lucas didn't erase in the special editions. <laughs> real, real Anglophile. Yeah. But we went through this before um, because in Legends, they had a list of all the torture droid accoutrements. Okay. And I just thought those were very fun and interesting and crazy. But now they have a canon oh, yeah. list. Do you want to hear the canon list of all the things the torture droid can do to you? Wow, yes. so that, re- that episode's been retconned already? Yeah, go for it. Yep, so the torture droid has an arc emitter, oh. a bone fragmenter. Which yeah. Oh my just, gosh. Is that just a stick that breaks bones? Yeah. It's just the, the droid just drops from the sky and like, bounces <laughs> on your leg until it breaks. Yeah. Okay, okay, Peter, here's what you do. You'll name... You'll name what it does, and I'll name its real-world equivalent. Okay, so keep going. A chemical torture turret. Fire. A drug injector, which we saw. A needle. Yep. Electroshock nerve probes. Um, Ugh, that's an uh, epidural. There. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on to your butts for the next two, because they're rough. Flesh peeler. Ooh. I, I mean, that's just a like a potato peeler. <laughs> God. God. A joint crippler? Aye. <laughs> Come on. And then the other ones are so sonic torture device. Well, Crystal, you gotta take that one. I uh, I guess it would just look like a really big <laughs> megaphone. Yeah. It's just a boom box that plays like <laughs> plays like uh <laughs> pour some sugar on me at way loud late oh, at night yeah. so you can't sleep. <laughs> um a victim analysis photoreceptor. The camera? <laughs> I guess. That's so... <laughs> what I picture is them just showing pictures of the person. Yeah. yeah like the, it's a mirror. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just a mirror. Yeah, that's what that one is. Just a mirror. <laughs> showing their potato peeled skin and... Oh, nice. Oh, geez. Fragmented. It's just seeing all the torture with... Yep. And then, That's just the shiny surface of it. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing's a mirror. And then lastly, there are acid jets. Oh, and then hold on for the last one. They really go out on a doozy searing flesh pincers. Jeez. (laughs) Those are are fun. I love that. Yeah. Just wanted to share that with you because, again, tickled my fancy. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I didn't think I could be more upset. So thank you. You're welcome. But something I thought was kind of interesting, and this might. I this is my crackpot theory, so I don't know if it holds any water. Is I, when I was doing research, evidently they have things called mind probes, which is technically what happened to Hera is when they get the truth serum. That's what they've referred to as mind probes in the past. And in Rebels, um, the Grand Inquisitor says to Will Huff Tarkin that. Jedi are trained to resist mind probes, so that wouldn't work on Jedi. My crackpot theory is, do you think that Leia's latent force powers helped her resist the mind probe in A New Hope, and that's why she was able to lie about what planet the base was on when they uh, before they blew up Ultron? Hmm. Yes. Ooh. Yeah, I know. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I wonder I like if it's that. the same theory of um, 
mind probe is just like when a Jedi does the mind control, the mind mm-hmm. to say because it doesn't work on the weak mind. It yeah, only works on the weak minded. Mm-hmm. So, like a part of me wonders with um, like force sensitive people that aren't Jedi. So if you look to like what's going on with Finn, mm-hmm. um, if he would be resistant to the mind probe too, or if because people mention that they think Han Solo might be force sensitive. Hmm. Interesting. If he would be. Or if the government, the uh, empire just keeps getting dummies in there and they think it works, but they just only get stupid people. Just a trove of dumb dumbs. Yeah, well, they're just testing it on stormtroopers, and we all know God. they they aren't the most strong minded. Love that. Yeah. While we're rewatching it, John, every time, uh, well, anytime anyone just gets shot, we always just say murder, murder, every yep. time, which is yep. so right. often. That's so good. Yeah. But he gets so mad. He's like, why are there, why do stormtroopers even exist? What is the point of them? I was like, <laughs> they just build them in bulk and then yeah. It, yeah. they're disposable. Essentially. So they're set, they're set and forget humans. Come on. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, to bring us back to the sadness, um, <laughs> I, I also really love this Kanan cutting his hair ritual. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm sure, Mike, you know exactly what movie this is. This is referencing which samurai movie? I, oh shit! Um, no, let me guess, and you tell me if I'm right. I hadn't thought of it. Mm, samurai movie? How about I'm gonna go with um, Rashomon? I mean, maybe I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, no, you're supposed to tell me. No, are you? Well, so I, I know that it happens in Seven Samurai. Um, Does it? Interesting. Yeah. So there's a there's there's a website like MovieTropes.com, and they go into like hmm. all these tropes and the historic significance huh. of them. And so there's literally a it's called the important haircut trope, which I think uh, is funny. That's funny. See, I thought it was going to be. Okay, because the first movie that came to mind, the Samurai movie, I was like, there's no way they're referring to The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I I mean, it's a Samurai, I know it's a Samurai thing, like, it's a sign of honor, and then when it gets cut, it's like a sign of disgrace, almost, but this contextually... Dothraki. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dothraki, totally. Um, But, yeah, here, I'm I'm really curious to talk about it, and what you guys Mm -hmm. think it means, and I'm sure you could find a website that, you know, tells Mm -hmm. you, but... Yeah, I mean, I want to hear hear both of your point of view first. I got some quotes from Dave Filoni that I thought were pretty interesting. Um, but, yeah, I saw it originally before I looked this stuff up. I mean, like the important haircut trope, I didn't know that name. Um, but it, it talks about when a character cuts off their hair, it symbolizes a rite of passage or a bout of character growth. So it's, you know, to me, it's like, it's the purifying cleansing ceremony that you see in a lot of things. Like it's, it just, it symbolizes Kanan knowing what has to happen and trying to get his body right to try to get his, him in a place mentally and spiritually where he can do what needs to happen. Also burning hair smells really bad. So maybe he just wanted less of it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's, that's, that's my theory too. Plus one. Yeah, I didn't know if you had any other theories before I jumped into what Dave Filoni said. I mean, my honestly, the haircutting theory was exactly what I was, what I thought. Not mm-hmm. the theory, the trope. Yeah. Um, you know, someone's going to start, you know, something new, and they want a change, or um, then it. My thought 
changed or had a change of heart when Harris said, your hair hasn't been this short since we met. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ooh, it's going back to when he first saw her. It's like the, the end is the beginning, like that full circle. Yeah, that's great. Type thing. Um, and I also thought of, um, oh gosh, what's in, there's, oh, I have the haircut in my mind. I can't think <laughs> of what movie it's from. Mulan. Maybe it's Mulan. No, it was a cartoon. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a cartoon. Um, yeah, this scene literally happens in Mulan. <laughs> yeah, I think that my was like the circle thing. So yeah. obviously the tropes one thing, but then for Hera to be like, your hair hasn't been that short since we met. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you you nailed it on the head. Um, it's I think it's a combination of both things. So Dave Filoni said two well, things. Well, before you, before, you, before you Filoni it, let me jump mm-hmm. in with mine. <laughs> hey, don't Filoni this, man. <laughs> Um, really quick, I was the first thing that comes to mind because I was I'm, I'm curious to see. What, I think there's a thousand directions you could take what a haircut means depending on what culture you're going to grab onto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think I just automatically, you know, being an American, I I go to like what cultural things it represents for us. And I was kind of tying on to like um, the very Judeo-Christian like sacrifice, like of preparing a pig for slaughter, mm-hmm. and you 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 do things like not cut its hair, but clean it and wash it. And it almost feels like that to me of like this cleansing ceremony before the sacrifice of like bringing a pig to the slaughter. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Um, it's a sacrifice of his, his hot, his hot guy beard. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. I can't help but think of Samson, but I don't think that's what this is here at all. Yeah. <laughs> so Dave Filoni talked about basically what we've touched on is, you know, he, he was saying, I was playing it in my in my head. I didn't know it was going to happen in a literal sense, but I wanted it to be a transformative moment for him. So there's a ritualistic idea that he needs to recenter and somewhat transform himself. The thing that I thought was really interesting was Dave Filoni went on to say, the way that he became growing his hair and growing his beard and all those things are kind of what he inherits and takes on when he lost his sight and the world got strange and complex. So it's almost like him revealing himself again by taking these things away, letting go, taking his hair off symbolically. It plays to me in the realm of a transitional thing. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's interesting is he's kind of growing from his blindness. Um, then the second thing he said touches on exactly what Crystal just said is, then I started thinking, what did he look like when he first met Hera? I don't think it was f- super conscious for him like that, but creatively to say he looked more like this, you know, younger with a shave, it's kind of interesting identity that he takes on the end. So I think subconsciously or otherwise, he was trying to get back to when he first met Hera. Ugh. Closing the circle. That's cute. I really hate sad. it. <laughs> I know, right? It's awful. Oh, also, fun fact: when you go to Kanan Jarrus's um, Wikipedia, mm-hmm. his picture is of him with the cut hair he has for half an episode. Oh, what wow. jerks! I'm like, why would you? Okay, yeah, <laughs> jerks. Um, some other fun kind of behind the scenes things. This makes me feel like Dave Filoni is just like a masochist. So all through the series, Freddie Prince Jr. and Dave Filoni had been talking about this. And Freddie Prince Jr. actually insisted that Kanan needed to die. He The whole time he said, Kanan needs to die. Kanan needs to die for 
I mean, not only did Yoda say there were no more Jedi, so they had to they had to explain why there's no more Jedi at the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, but according to Freddie Prince Jr., Kanan needed to be an example of how to be selfless, how to become enlightened. In one way, it's his last lesson for Ezra. But the thing that he didn't, that Dave Filoni didn't do, is he didn't tell Freddie Prince Jr. when Kanan was going to die. So there's a video, which this is why I think he's just like a weird sadist or something. There's a video because the whole cast records together and he withheld the last two pages of the script. And so they did the entire episode not knowing Kanan was going to die. And it was like, oh, good job, buds. All right, time to pack it up. And he like comes in the room and is like, actually, one more thing. And he like sits everyone down and gives them the last two pages of the script and just everyone just like loses it. Like Freddie Prince Jr. is like crying in the corner of the room. It's oh. so devastating. Oh, send me that link. Okay. It's in, they show a little, they show a little clip of it in Rebels Recon. It's, it's messed up, Dave Filoni. Yeah. I'm like, that's, I, <laughs> I, I, there must be some, some sort of actor yeah. thing there. I don't know. Well, I bet it's like, I, I think, I don't know if it, if it actually translates to this or if it's just like actor mumbo jumbo, but I do see the benefit in, because if everyone knows Kanan's about to die, they might play their parts differently, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so true. by withholding it, they're going to play it exactly like any other episode and they won't, they're maybe they're their acting will be more pure to the characters and what they're actually feeling in that moment with it being such a shock and a loss to them, you know? Pretty crazy. I'm shaking my head. Yeah. <laughs> acting. Uh, yeah. So flesh peelers. Right? <laughs> yeah, let's get let's get on those things. What is the deal? <laughs> What's the deal with flesh peelers? Yeah. I mean, geez, the only other notes I have are all freaking sad, but I just don't want to keep talking about sad stuff. But it's sad because it's good and, yeah. and everyone's learned stuff and things are good and Kanan's dead, but they're a family still and they yeah, it's they sad finished their mission. Yeah. It's sad because it works so well. I know. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh. It's beautifully sad. Beautifully sad. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go into it. The specific thing that really gets me, might get me right now just talking about it, is Kanan getting his freaking vision back? Oh, uh, it hits so hard. That is, it's so good. Ugh. So, I read something last night that I had never put together and I almost lost it again. But at the end of before he goes to Malachor, the last thing he says to Hera is, I'll see you again, I promise. Then he goes to Malachor and loses his sight. So he literally never sees Hera again. Until this moment. This uh-huh. moment. He can see, he sees her again. <laughs> and she sees him see her. Yeah, I know. It's and so And again, beautiful. the animation of Hera's face. Oh. So you that yeah. is the most you see her face move the whole series. Exactly. Yeah. Her yeah. eyes are she's like. Her face is so expressive that I started making the face watching it. Every time I watch it, my face copies hers because it's such a big face. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, and it's, <gasps> it's, it's so made an impression on me because we've seen Hera be 
the most cool and collected character in the entire series. Yeah. You know, she's made the hard decisions and it's affected her, but you know, she's been able to do it and get through it. And like she, we've seen her get angry. We've seen her, you know, kick ass, but we've never seen her just like lose control like this. Yeah. Like she's, she literally is trying to run into the fire to grab Kanan without any forethought of what any of this is going to do. And that's so out of character for her, but she just, this is the one thing that kind of, kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say breaks her because I don't think, I don't know if anything can break Hera, but it just, oh, it does a number. It's the one thing that she can't save. It's the one thing she can't fix. <sighs> oh, I hate that. Yeah. Um, it also, it's, it really, and then I don't know if it's the last thing he says to Hera, um, but up on top of the thing, he says specifically to Hera, I wish I could see you. And it comes true. It's just so, and I mean, I think it's, it's, I think we're, we're discounting too, that I think he's also able to see Ezra as well, which mm. is an important part of his growth and an important, I don't know, point in the story that, you know, I think he's really accepting that he can be okay. He's seeing his family. He's seeing probably the two people that are most important to him. Like he loves the rest of the family too, but if those two people are okay, he can be okay and he can truly let go. And I think that's beautiful. It is. Yeah. So there's some interesting kind of spiritual myth, mythological stuff about this. Um, a lot of it's conjecture, but I thought it was interesting that I read one person talking about how Kanan's sight came back was explained by the Bendu earlier because he asks specifically, how can I restore my sight? And the Bendu says, you must be empty. There is only the force. Um <laughs> So this this goes to the idea of enlightenment through sacrifice to yeah. me. It's, um, you know, at this moment, and Dave Filoni says something specifically that I think is really interesting is at this moment, Kanan is not bound as a material thing. He is more energy than he is material at this point. So something as small as the physicality of sight wouldn't be a limitation to him because he's progressed past the mortal coils of his human body at that point, mm. um, which goes, I think, you know, to the stuff about, you know, Obi-Wan, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than mm -hmm. like he's, he's literally becoming one with the force. And that's a very thematic thing in, in star Wars is the idea of accepting your fate and making peace with it and becoming more powerful and one with the force. That's how you win. Mm-hmm. Mm yeah, opposed to, you know, like Luke goes in the cave and gets scared and goes and tries to <laughs> tries to like <laughs> save his friends and he just gets his hand chopped off and doesn't help anything. Like nope. Yeah. And so I think that's a very Star Wars moment and I think George Lucas would be proud and I think they just pulled it off beautifully. So good. Yeah. Well oh, a good a thing that's not sad is for how many times I've watched this, mm -hmm. I never noticed until this last time that they referred to the Stardust project. Yeah. yeah. I missed it. And I, <laughs> I was trying to remember the first time I saw this, I was like, was Rogue One out? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, I've seen this episode at least three times. And this is the first time that I heard them refer to that. And I was like, oh, good. Yeah. 
Yeah. I like when it seems like a lot of Star Wars is or a lot of writing in Star Wars now is trying not to refer to parts that the directors don't like from the other Star Wars stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, Unfortunately, yes. Which is kind of sad because it really starts to break up the universe. Yeah. And so I was excited to hear the stars um, Stardust, but along with Mandalorian, hearing them refer to an M count, I was mm. like, F yes. <laughs> that made me really happy because midichlorians whether we like them or not are a part of the star wars universe yeah and to just kind of like glaze over that or great grace or glaze i just realized i don't is it glaze <laughs> glaze over um i think glazing over is like not paying attention like your eyes glaze over or and you're then, glazing over a pot yeah or like over when they because like you're like grazing over grass like grazing um it's like they just like subtly talked about (laughs) um and the fact that they said m count i was like okay so midichlorians do exist in this world we're trying so hard to try to forget it but it is a fact of the universe and to shorten it to m count Mm -hmm. i was like that's even better because that we all know what that means but it's like the characters have take or the universe has taken it to heart as well. Yeah, I love that, Mike. You're the you're the math or you're the English teacher. Is it sure. glaze or grace? I was as you were to, uh, as you were saying. I was like, I, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a good one, but do you know who does know? Google. Google. Glaze over. Love Become Google. glossy. Lose vision. Her eyes glaze. Oh, f you. I guess it's great. <laughs> great graze over. Yeah, Graze would make sense because that's like slowly move. Yeah. Perfect. I don't know. Let's whatever. I, I, one of the things I love about also the Stardust thing is I love that just like there's, it's just like so bureaucratic and boring too. Mm -hmm. Like you have to go sell this project to the emperor so you can get more funding. Yeah. Like I love how boring that is because, okay, I got to go make a sales pitch. I have to leave (laughs) immediately. Um, I, I just thought that was really funny. That yeah. they're basically in a bidding war for what project is going to get uh, funded. Totally, it sounds boring and bureaucratic. And I've learned that it, no matter where in life you go, it will always exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched I, um, a funny presentation about um, it was why Star Trek is superior, <laughs> and it's because of all the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> they're always doing That's paperwork funny. at some point someone's handing them something they've got clipboards they're writing stuff down and like even in this super science fiction futuristic world mm-hmm. there's still paperwork and reports that have to be done <laughs> yeah even in the new exciting star trek i'm watching the new series now almost every episode just comes down to like wait we could do a lot of math to save the day and it's like just people like Oh, the chances of us doing this jump is one in seven hundred eight eight thousand million, but we can do it. And then they're like writing on whiteboards and stuff, and then they press a button and it like boops them to the other side of the galaxy and they win. It's all just That's like amazing. it's all just math and bureaucracy and taking notes. This is the power of math, people. Come on. You are correct, Anderson. Yeah. Have to watch that. It's great. I love math. Yeah. I love whiteboards. I love that. <laughs> But yeah, I really like, because I forgot that this Stardust thing happened specifically in the episode, and we've been talking lately about the TIE Defender program versus the Star Destroyer, 
And this is exactly what we're talking about is, yeah, yeah we, <laughs> he needs to make his pitch to the emperor to get funding for his bureaucratic <laughs> project, which I think is so funny. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, hypothetically in a made up universe, mm -hmm. I wonder which would have actually been better. And I, I can't help but think it's the tie defender program simply because mm -hmm. you are literally putting all your eggs in one basket on the death star. <laughs> yep. Hey yeah. guys, what happens if this thing gets blown up? Oh, it won't happen. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, why wouldn't happen? Because we kidnapped all of the engineers and threatened their families. Obviously, they're going to do everything right. Yeah, you know what happens if it gets blown up? We build a bigger one. Duh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you know what happens point. if they make if they blow up the second one? We make an even bigger one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instead of a size of a moon, it's a size of a planet. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, another little fun tidbit is we talked about specifically the um, pollution that the Empire has brought to Lothal with all of their burning and their mining and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, the episode guide I thought was fun. It called out specifically that Ezra's glider plan worked because the pollution from the Empire made it impossible for them to be noticed. So. Again, this is the Empire kind of shooting them itself in the foot, which we see again at the end with Price blowing up the fuel depot and submarining the entire TIE Defender program. Another good reason to exit the Paris Treaty. I love it. <laughs> yep. Um, <sighs> or going back to useless stormtroopers. You know, mm. it's the Empire just keeps shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Um, but I like that touch is, you know, they use the the devastation of what's happening around them to their advantage to try to try to free Lothal, which is fun. Yeah. And also the bat, the, the Loth bats. Like, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, these are huge. natural environment too. I feel like those would be really freaky in real life. Loth bats? Yeah, they're huge. Yeah. I don't want those. Yeah. Um, the only other note I actually had was I was just doing general research on Canaan's site and I didn't realize that in the book, A New Dawn, it is implied that Kanan possesses some sort of force trait that allows him to see things more clearly. He he talks about how he sees like TIE fighters and explosions in slow motion. Um, I don't know if that's just generally a Jedi thing, but that could also be a fun touch about why he is able to operate so well without sight, which I thought was kind of a fun little tidbit. So he's basically Echo the Dolphin. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. Where's his echolocation come from? His heart. <laughs> um, but that's really all I had. Were there any other notes that either of y'all had? I said all mine. I can't read the bottom two because of all the tear stains from them. But... <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, another moment I love is when um, Kanan enters the uh the room to save Hera and the mm -hmm. you know the classic Star Wars music blares and he jumps in and um it's there's not too many like save rescue moments in Rebels that you know they they all work fine. This one just works really well. Yeah. Um and just all the build up around it and um I don't know if it's made better by I know what's gonna happen. I wish I could watch it for the first time again in some way, but um mm -hmm. It, it everything just feels so large, larger than life in this episode, and just builds so well. Yeah. Do we ever find out what happens to Kanan's lightsaber? Mm. 
I mean, it was in that blast. I mean, yeah, didn't they? I thought no, it wasn't. Didn't it fall? Yeah, because and didn't she? Oh, wow. The governor had the the lightsaber. Oh shit! Uh, okay, I didn't oh, notice that's that. Wild. That's where I was. I didn't remember that because yeah, Ruck knocks it out of Caden's hand and oh, yeah. it falls off the side of the building before they glide away to the fuel depot. Oh. And that's how she shows it to Thrawn, and Thrawn's like, "Yo, B, I don't give a <laughs> damn. You blew up all our fuel." Okay, interesting. Yeah, I forgot about that. I figured uh, that is an exact quote. Do you think nice. that's why the Tide Defender program d- doesn't get picked up? It's like, hey, we're going to need more money. I, he just I went and made so. a pitch. He just went and made a pitch and he outlined the financial responsibilities it would entail. Yeah. And now they just got, now his pitch is nullified by the fact that, oh, actually, it's going to be like another million space credits, <laughs> space doubloons. yeah i like we've talked about i I specifically am not re-watching any of the episodes until we review them so i don't remember specifically if there's like another mission to blow up the tie defender factory or anything but i do think that this was a pretty crippling blow and i know that kanan and crew are responsible for shutting down that program so yes and this is the only time they do go after the main factory sabine and ezra blow up a bunch of regular TIE fighters and take the TIE Defender, <laughs> Beautiful. which is awesome, and I love True. that episode. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I think it's the this is the only time they actually go after the factory. Yeah, and I mean, that so makes fast. the sacrifice so much better, too, because you're thinking about, you know, Kanan, we're, we're looking at the myopic part of it where Kanan is sacrificing himself for his family, but also... If we believe that the TIE Defender program might have been more effective than the Death Star, there's an argument to be made if the TIE Defender program gets off the ground, the Empire wins and the Rebellion is put down. So not only did Kanan sacrifice himself for his family, he sacrificed himself to save the galaxy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and it was yeah. Freddie Prince Jr. the whole time. <laughs> I know. Man, we gotta yeah, we should talk about how good Freddie Prince Jr. is because I think it goes it goes underappreciated sometimes because we just kind of take it for granted how good he is. He's so good. Yeah. And I feel like when I first heard Freddie Prince Jr. is gonna do a voice, all right, whatever. Like it's I, I feel like on paper I was probably wasn't stoked about it, but he does so good. Oh, I freaking love it. It's perfect. He's such a good character, and I'm I am happy to have had Kanan in my life for as long as I did. Mm-hmm. He's still there. Yep, you're right. I mean, not like in a force way, but you can like go back to the first season. Still there. <laughs> He's no, still there. no, I just mean in a force way. He's always with me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Any other notes? I just agree. I just <laughs> agree. So how we like to end every sad episode (laughs) is with a rating scale of our current most favorite thing to our current least favorite thing in Star Wars. So how about I go ahead and give you an example. Um, My current most favorite thing in Star Wars is the conversation had between Ben and Luke in his Tatooine abode. Just really cool, really cool moment into the step into the Mm -hmm. large galaxy. My current least favorite thing 
is kind of just the general relationship between Kylo and um, Ray. I just doesn't doesn't work super well for me. Um, I would put this episode as a Luke and Ben talk in Ben's Tatooine abode. <laughs> this uh, this really is yeah peak beautiful. Star Wars. If I was gonna you know put it anywhere, it would be I don't know I, I, you know top moments for sure. And this whole episode just um, is incredible. And kind of one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast was moments like this. The next mm-hmm. from here on out this uh season four is like why we love why i love rebels yeah how about you pete what's your scale i completely agree so my favorite thing in star wars right now is kanan sacrificing himself for his family and the galaxy Mm. my least favorite thing in star wars right now is kanan sacrificing himself for his family and his galaxy (laughs) oh nice between those two things, I give this episode Kanan sacrificing himself for his family and the galaxy. It's an A+. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, if I, I, just, I, I can't add anything else. Yeah. Just peak Star Wars, I completely agree. Oh, Crystal, what's, from, what do you think? From favorite thing in Star Wars, it would have to be Han Solo at the controls asking <laughs> the Imperial guard how he's doing yeah, that's good yeah that's good to our my least favorite thing of star wars which is Kara's new lips and mandalorian hmm, I, I didn't even notice i hate it i'm i am so i the whole episode i was like why did she get her lips done i was like that should not be allowed in her contract she should have to look the same she looks like a fox news reporter oh wow that's so good that's so funny. I've never, I never noticed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and check it. It's, oh, it's gonna make you so mad. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, this episode would be. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking of like so many things that I love right now. It's mm-hmm. like, I guess when you first realize that the loath wolves can travel through the planet using like inter planetary or like just in the planet hyperspace stuff where you're just like how how is the force even more confusing than i thought it was before (laughs) yeah so good and also kanan jarris sacrificing himself for his family and the universe i mean the galaxy yeah (laughs) yeah you know what referendum on my comments i think the best part of this episode is kanan jarris sacrificing himself for (laughs) family and the galaxy oh beautiful Let's pour pour another one out for Kanan. It'll be forever missed, but always in our hearts. This episode and the other um, the other episodes after this finally figured out what I want my next Star Wars tattoo to be, and it's going to be a Loth Wolf oh, nice. with the art from the um, Jedi Temple. Did you say the, the fart from the Jedi Temple? The fart from the Jedi Temple. <laughs> That's the pollution we were talking about. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, now I'm looking up the... a picture of the art from the Jedi Temple. Yeah, that sounds sick. I love that. Yeah, so not the people, but the lines and circles and dots oh, and stuff. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah, that's really cool. You know, everyone yeah. always gets those wolf things where there's just the the horse behind them. 
<laughs> oh, true. Oh, you should do like the the spires of Lothal, <laughs> the rock Ooh. spires instead of trees. Yeah, that could be that shape because I was thinking of getting it on my forearm. So there's That's a lot sick. of space there. I love that. Well, thank you for this. Yeah, I'm just too sad. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the energy for an outro. Yeah, I just want to play the Crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal, can you tell people where we can find you on the internet? Sure, you can find me at the Crystal Beth on Twitter and Instagram, mm-hmm. and you can hear my voice on. Rebels, Rebels, Dungeons and Dragons. And mm. that's really all I'm doing right now. And I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can find us on email, on Instagram, on Twitter. Peter, are we active on Twitter? Um, fit kind of. Cool. Twitter's kind of a trash fire. I don't know. It is a trash fire. Okay. Good to know. I, I try know. to, I try to stay away as much as possible. I but... look at what's trending in the morning oh, yeah. and then I stop. Okay. Yeah, there's some good news stuff there, and there's a couple key people that I like to keep in touch with. You know who you are. <laughs> what? But, I'm not on that list. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, we're. I think Instagram's probably probably okay. more of our jam. Or just okay. email us directly. We love talking to people. There's we've had a couple emails since we asked yeah. people to email us, including some haikus. So if you have some Star Wars haikus, feel free to send those in as well. Yeah, we'll read them. And remember, until I, next time, be brave out there. And remember that Kanan sacrificed himself for his family in the galaxy. Yeah. For his family in the galaxy. Meet me at the crossroads, crossroads. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs>